Hi, this is Katie Von Schleicher, and you're listening to music A to Z. Welcome to the Music A to Z podcast. I'm Steve Ferguson. And I am Doug Ferguson. Wow, Doug, here we are. Here we are again. Here we are. Happy New Year. Oh, oh my goodness. Yes. Merry Christmas castles and a happy new yesir. And then happy Groundhog Day. Uh, Groundhog. Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Mm. Can't think of any bands that are... Maybe, oh, happy Garage Band Day. Garage, oh yes, happy Garage Band Day to you as well. <laughs> wow, we went to uh, we went to a concert. We're actually mid concert run right now. Yeah, Would there's all. Agree? I mean, the concerts are back. Everybody, Every, everyone's going on tour. Yeah. So uh, just this past weekend, we went to see Stickman. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Tony Levin. Yep. Pat Mastelato. Yep. Marcus, Marcus Router. 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 Yeah. Because yeah. I think I think I like Router's news agency. It's basically yeah, okay. spelled the same way. Yeah. yeah, I think he had a bit of a Germanish accent. Happening. He definitely did. He definitely and so, did. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he, if you're if we're we're really good at butchering names. So perfect at it. If you have any uh, if we have any German listeners, please tell us how to pronounce uh, router or router, <clears throat> because uh, but yeah, yeah, very talented musicians. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty uh, thundering hard uh, prog rock. Mm-hmm. Um, two members are former King Crimson. Well, not. I hesitate to use the word former, but the currently on hold King Crimson members. Yeah, and yeah, Tony Levin is a is a uh, a prolific session bass player. Yeah, has worked with such acts as Peter Gabriel, David Bowie, John Lennon, uh, Yoko Ono uh, on the same album actually for the, for those two, as well as uh, as well as being in King Crimson. Oh, you mentioned just and, recently uh, that you discovered that uh, he was playing for Carly Simon. Carly Simon, yeah, yeah. yeah so. Uh, lots of legends. Uh, but yeah, if you look up his, uh, selected discography on Wikipedia, you'll be like, oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, that's the kind of the nice thing is that you, you can be like such an incredible, like studio musician and like, like border, like basically like a rock star without the star part. And you can just walk down the street and not be mobbed by people, but have like this incredible body and indeed make a massively huge living off of off of music. It's interesting the the, the life of this of a uh, successful studio musician. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 kind of all the all the nice parts of it. And and you know when he goes on on tour with his own band, it's a nice small venue. I mean, I'm sure they obviously they've calculated it so that they're making money mm-hmm. off of it for all three of them and their and their crew touring for their music and uh, and it's a small venue and they, you know you get those really passionate. Uh, fans, uh, fans who have clearly been fans for fifty plus years. Yeah, <laughs> like the, the the one guy who was in front of us in line. He just uh, like he he was talking about uh, seeing him in like seventy seven or something. Yeah, and then he wouldn't leave Tony Eleven alone. Uh, <laughs> just like, just like okay, 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 I appreciate yeah. it. Go away. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tony Eleven. We we went for some autographs and and stuff and and uh, very gracious mm. with this time, but also like you know you could tell. With this other guy, he he was he was trying to be gracious, but at the same time, you know, he's like, I have these other people in line who mm-hmm. I, you know, I gotta get, I gotta get to help, like paying attention to them and acknowledging them, and then I actually have to, you know, go and clean up, <laughs> clean up the yeah. the stuff. So yeah, 
Uh, so that was that was an incredible experience. And then mm-hmm. we still have uh, Melt with two T's, M-E-L-T-T, coming mm-hmm. up at the end of this month. And then uh, at the end of next month, we have uh, Dumbo, uh, Dumbo Gets Mad, mm-hmm. uh, who I'm very fond of. Um, a very interesting experimental uh California duo. We got lots going on, I'd say. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's get into some music news. The first one is okay, gotta be a downer. Uh David Crosby died. Uh of Crosby Stills and Nash. And also the occasional what was it? Crosby Stills, Nash, and Young. Young, yeah. Um right. well also um the birds first before yeah, Crosby Stills. Of course, yeah. of course. I had a surreal. I actually just bought the birds uh, turn 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 mm. on vinyl from a used record shop, and then not not days later, Crosby dies. It was quite what a, quite a coincidence. <laughs> and Ali hadn't heard that song before. Oh really? Yeah. And I'm like I'm like I play I played it and like this doesn't ring a bell at all. She's like nope. I'm like, did you ever see Forrest Gump? Well, there's a, uh, she must you know she has so she must have heard it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't. I guess it just didn't stick with her. I guess not. Um, yeah, that's that's remar- actually to be honest, it's kind of remarkable he lived as long as he did. There were definitely a lot of substance abuse issues. Well, it was in the '60s. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, fair enough. Okay, uh, what else do we have on the old radar? Well, first of all, Ticketmaster has been in a lot of a lot of trouble lately. Um, yes, because of the whole Taylor Swift fiasco. If, oh if you're listening, God, yeah. if you're listening uh, from the future, yes, that is what that's the era we're living in. Is yeah. the uh, the re- the reign of Swift and the Swifties being uh, shut out of her concert? Yeah, it's it's hard because there's very little the artist can do except like be very very vocal about it mm-hmm. and uh but you know it's very hard to avoid venues ticketmaster was saying before uh, uh before an inquiry they were saying well you know it's really not us it's the venues who are charging these prices to which it's just like well hold on a second your parent company or whatever relationship you have with them uh live nation owns tons of these venues including here in town they own the commodore ballroom so you you can't say oh well man the Commodore they're the ones who are charging so much it's like uh, excuse me you own the Commodore you're the ones who are setting these prices and then and then you got this this manufactured scarcity you know and then the and resell- then the resell the resellers yeah. man that's, yeah. uh, that's that's where they get you yeah so yeah we we try our best to not go through Ticketmaster whenever if, possible if but possible but then it also comes down to the act and usually if if they are a bigger act then they're in a position where they need to go through Ticketmaster yeah so it's it's dumb and stupid <laughs> and dumb yeah it's it's it is legitimately very frustrating kind of tangentially to the Taylor Swift thing the Grammys just happened. Beyonce, it is very fascinating. This this issue with Beyonce, she just like cracked a record for uh, for how many Grammy wins that she has. However, the interesting thing is is that she never wins and is rarely nominated for things like Record of the Year. It's like the big three is Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Album of the Year. Whatever the hell the difference between Record of the Year and Album of the Year is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's very strange because in far less time Taylor Swift has won it like four times, and if you look at it, yeah, Beyonce's winning all these albums or these all these awards, but the extremely prestigious top line ones she never wins. And um, well, she has won once. Yeah, that's why it was once, yeah. but it was it was years ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah, it was single ladies, I think. So that's yeah, that's quite a while ago. So there's conversations around. Well, you know, there's it's disproportionately white who win those uh, those uh, top. 
those top honors uh, disproportionately. And even when you have an, an enormous megastar uh, like Beyonce, strange that she gets she gets uh, you know cut out of those categories. And but it's very weird because she then breaks this Grammys record. The the thing is is that at the end of the day, and this is my personal take. I totally, I totally get it because it's still like a very prestigious event and people are expected to show up, mm-hmm. even Ben Affleck. <clears throat> and but never nevertheless, though, guys, if you're a Beyonce fan and you and that album means a lot to you, you know what? N- don't let anyone take that away from you. Don't let the Grammys tell you that uh, that Sam Smith or uh, or Harry Styles album is better. Uh, if you don't like those albums, um, if you don't like those songs, that's fine. Don't let anyone tell you that the acts that you like aren't as good especially not the grammys especially something that's so astoundingly corporate you know um you know that's the thing is is um just like any award show yeah there's only so much stock you can take in who's the winners there's a lot of political stuff it is not the ultimate metric for an album's longevity and success yeah if anything you know it sometimes is interesting to look down the road and go look at these best artist winners and best uh, album winners and you don't really remember who they are because it's just it's it's something that's very immediate but doesn't necessarily speak to what's going to last. And um, it is it is a metric of success, but it's not the only metric of success. There's many, many amazing albums that have not won uh, any Grammys or, or, or haven't won any of the top three Grammys. Mm. So, you know, like, just don't stress about it. You know, mm. and ultimately, you know, but if I had to say for this year specifically, now I've only, I haven't heard, I've heard some singles. I haven't heard either of the, like, the contentious albums. I will say that Harry Styles' big single, to me, seemed much bigger than Beyonce's big single, and it was sort of a bigger anthem of the year, mm. as it was. I say I think is one of the 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 most emblematic, one of the biggest hits of twenty twenty two. Yeah, and uh, and I don't think there's any denying that. And that's uh, and again, I'm not saying that means it's better than Beyonce's big hit, but I would say that I heard it a whole lot more. Sure. Yeah. And full disclosure, I like I like Harry Styles. The vast the vast majority of the songs that I've heard, I think are really catchy, and I like them. Except "Watermelon Sugar," I hate that song. But uh, uh, <laughs> like, actually, like it's it is very earwormy as well. But legitimately, I hate that song. But a good portion of Harry Styles stuff, I, I like and I get. And you know, I almost feel a little defensive for Harry Styles mm-hmm. when when uh, when people are like, "Oh, men don't dress like this." You know, remember when our rock stars used to you know be masculine? And I'm just like, give me, give me a break. <laughs> Give me he, a break. He's literally pulling pages out of the Bowie playbook. Well, yeah, yeah, uh, Bowie <laughs> yeah. and uh, and um, Freddie Mercury. I mean, yeah, yeah get, give me a break. Yeah, now, and and even then, like, <laughs> when it gets conservatives upset, that's all part of the game. Mm. You know, I was I was even talking to Ellie the other day about about it, and she's like, "Well, maybe he just wants to wear what's comfortable." I'm like, "No, he's wearing it for the publicity." I don't buy for a second he's wearing this big fancy dress because it's comfortable. Women don't wear big fancy dresses because they're comfortable. He is doing it for the publicity and 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 the shock and the and the people going, oh my god. And it because it brings it puts him into the conversation and helps promote his music. And I'm not condemning that. It's a it's it is a tied, tested, and true method. Yeah. So like, you know, I don't buy that he likes to wear dresses in his in his spare time. Uh but I also like, you know, he's playing the game. Yeah, he's, yeah, he is. He he's is. just playing the game, and that, and he's doing a good job. He's very successful. Well, hey, look at Sam Smith. It, literally the same thing with with his uh, demonic performance with that <laughs> that uh, what was the song "Evil" or something like that. And like, there's so much outrage, and it's literally the same thing. It's like, 
<laughs> like or, if, um, if it offends you, don't watch it. Lil Nas X as well. Lil Nas X. Oh man, nobody ago. plays the game better than Lil Nas. <laughs> Lil Nas X is a master yeah. at the game. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you know that, and that's what it comes down to. It, it's it's a uh, it's all it's all part of the plan. And it, and it has and it has been for decades. <laughs> it has been for decades. This is not new. But you know, say what you want about the Grammys. At least it's not the Junos. <laughs> It's true, though. Yeah. Uh, just as a quick aside, folks, you gotta look up those memes of poor Ben Affleck. <laughs> poor Ben Affleck. Uh, a lot of people are fairly sure that he and J- Jayla were having a fight beforehand or during, oh, possibly. And poor Ben Affleck. I, I, he knew what he was getting into. He knew what he was getting into. She is notoriously difficult person. But anyways, <laughs> we're not going to get into that. Further, uh, Ed the Sock lately has teamed up with Tarzan Dan. To do segments called no- News Nobody Needs. Well, this is uh, for you Canadians, by the way. For you Canadians. Yeah. Tarzan Dan, he was like, back when YTV, which was uh, a um, a nationwide Canadian youth television. It stands for youth television. But it was it used to, when it started off, it used to be geared towards teens. Uh, now these days it's geared towards kids. Uh, and when we were watching, it was kind of a mix of both. There were, yeah, there was it depends on the time of day yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tarzan Dan was kind of like, he was the, the last holdover of the... For the older teens, because he would do the hit list, right? And it would be it would be much music light. It would be uh, you know uh, he would be counting down the popular songs, and so he was like the the P, they called them PJs, program jockeys, as opposed to like disc jockeys or video mm-hmm. jockeys. PJs. It was Tarzan Dan. He was he was the old he was the one for the older uh, the older youth, and uh, like seeing the videos of him, dude looks like Phil Collins these days. Mm. Dude looks uh, dude looks kind of old, but I mean like no no harm no foul. It's been like twenty five years. But uh, I did think it was kind of interesting because, like, for a lot of youth in Canada, he was like the gateway to popular music. It was Tarzan Dan. He was, uh, you know, he was uh, the one on the TV that, uh, you know, he was priming you for much music, which was, mm-hmm. you know, Canada's MTV. Which was where Ed the Sock was uh, stationed up as mm-hmm. um, much music. Mm-hmm. And he was, uh, he's a sock with a cigar. And he talks like this. And he really, really makes... Uh, <laughs> that was really good. Oh, yeah? <laughs> that was really good. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> He was he would badmouth a lot of the music videos that they were playing. All and the he, time. He's, All he's time. like, I can't believe we're playing this crap again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we at the sock was a um, he's a Canadian icon really. So it's nice yeah. that he's back. Yeah. It, I just I just thought it was a little interesting. We are going to quickly oh, and I'm um, a, a quick aside. Yeah. Uh, P J Phil. Yes. Recently got married. Recently. Yeah. Well, how old's the guy now these days? Yeah, like fifty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, good for you, PJ Phil. Yeah, I don't know. I just I I started following him on Instagram. He also is really into wrestling. Oh. So, anyways, for yeah. those of you old old school YTV heads, PJ Phil's out there. Uh, check him out on. He still kind of goes by PJ Phil on Instagram. He might as well. <laughs> yeah, milk it. Why not? Yeah, milk yeah. it. Uh, let's quickly get into the Kanye West report. <laughs> Don't let me get in my zone. Don't let me get in my zone. Don't let me get in my zone. But whatever you do, everybody, don't let him get into his <laughs> zone. <laughs> it's so important. There's so much that goes on. I I, I really don't want to like recap all of it, but yeah, he sympathizes with Nazis these days. Even on conservative talk shows where they're like, Well, you didn't mean, you know, you actually you actually admired Hitler. You didn't really say that. He's like, Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> it is so weird to see him on Alex Jones uh-huh. and Alex Jones be the voice of reason yeah. and like sanity. Yeah. It's, it's like, oh my God, that's how crazy Kanye has gotten. 
Yeah. Is Alex Jones is there going like, I don't like Hitler. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <He's just> like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Hitler. <laughs> Did we need to make that clear? Anyways, this was a headline from, uh, from a little bit ago, but I just kind of wanted to, just kind of the state of the music industry. I just kind of wanted to bring this up. Just a couple days after, you know, things went really bad for Kanye, uh, Billboard declared him the year's top gospel artist. And, uh, I mean, I realized those things were in motion before he kind of went unhinged, but I was just, it was, it's just, it's just weird. You know, it's just like, well, what, what, and this ties in to this whole thing. It's just like, what is the music industry? What is it? What is going on? I'm speechless. (laughs) I have nothing to contribute to this. (laughs) Yeah. We're, um, we're, 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 we're done with Kanye West. And, but on that note, Kanye West is not the W band we are covering this time, Doug. Who are we covering? I didn't know about this band until you suggested for the show. They are called A Winged Victory for the Sullen. Yeah, so I'm going to quickly get into how I found out about these guys. I was in in my uh, commu- communications, I was getting my post degree in communications, and there was a class I was in uh, based on visual communications. And basically looking at, um, well, I mean, no bearing the lead, you know, uh, how ideas are communicated to people through visuals uh, with a good focus on advertising, but not, not just on advertising. Um, because of uh, we are visual creatures, and uh, I did a huge uh, end of term project on Mentos, adver- the Mentos advertising campaign. Do a very successful advertising campaign. Yeah, I mean, here we are, humming the tune. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so I guess case in point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, but one of the projects we did, the instructor he had us watch a uh, a video, and he said, "Oh, type in uh, a Tomos." I typed that in. I was just like, what the hell is that? And he was like, uh, and then type in a Tomos 6 or something. And then, you know, we were all, because we all had computers in the class. And we look it up, and uh, then he shows, there's a, a video. And it's of um, a style of animation using, I think it was uh, pastels. But basically you, you, or maybe like sort of sand, you know, where you, you draw an image, 
but then you kind of wipe it and then draw a new image out of the old image. That's our style of animation. It's uh, like miles beyond what I can do. It was actually taken from like a Russian film, I believe, a Russian animated film, but it was set to uh, the music from Atomos. Uh, and I found it very, very mu moving, the, the animation and the music paired together. Uh, I will have a link in the show notes for it and uh, like very moving. And the assignment was to write a narrative and a nar the basically like like write what these the uh, the visuals are conveying. Um, I actually wrote a short story uh, about it, but I really kind of like took a lot of liberties from it. The the video kind of like portrayed a boy who was in love with this girl who was a she was older than him, but not like a lot older than him. Sort of like, you know, the kid with the crush of the babysitter. But it was, it seemed to take place in like sort of, uh, in sort of um, late 19th century Europe sort of thing, but very idealized. And, uh, and I took the approach uh, just based on how the music, like how I felt the music was, was moving, uh, that the boy was actually the embodiment of death and that he had fallen in love with a, uh, with a girl that he could never be with and he had to oversee her death he, like her her entering his domain of of death uh while actively wishing that that she would not die and uh oh oh my god let me tell you right now um he had me he had me read it in front of the class and i was just like oh, oh. It, was, it was just you know because it's kind of you know it's like oh, oh do i have to <laughs> yeah yeah uh, but it, yeah uh so that's how i i Naturally, I was just like, okay, well, what the hell is a Tomos? Like, like, what is that even, you know? And uh, what was this all about? So I, I looked into, oh, a Tomos is, is this album by Awainted Victory for the Solon. And I grew quite, quite fond of it. And then I started, um, I never really got around too much into looking into it more, into the act, the band, I should say a little more. Uh, not until really until this podcast. I think in, in a way, because I was, I was so moved by a Tomos 6 that I kind of didn't want to be let down by the rest of their music, you know? You know where you get that, where you really identify with a song or an album, and, and you're just like, I don't know if I really want to listen, you know, to the rest of this stuff, because what if it's just kind of like, Neh, you know? I don't know. Do you ever feel that way? <clears throat> Not necessarily with um with a particular song, but, it, it, like, if there's an album, like, if I hear, like, what's considered their best album, yeah, I sometimes hesitate to um to go into any any deeper. I'm like, well, maybe this is just, you know... Where I want to leave it, or I'll fall into the uh, into the the plunges of another yet another band's discography. <laughs> I guess this is our thing too. You know, what if you really really like it, and then you want to like buy all their stuff, and <laughs> yeah, and then you have to keep up with them, and it's just oh, not another one. <laughs> There's so many bands I'm already <laughs> falling behind on. Let's talk about uh, a winged, vic winged or winged victory for the Solon. I'm not 100% sure. I've been saying winged this a whole winged. time. A winged. A winged kind of makes sense to me but, uh... because it's it's like, well, okay, in, in fairness, the phrase itself, my brain keeps wanting to make sense of it as mm. if it's, uh, okay, well, a victory for the Solon, like Solon would be like somebody who's kind of like down and a victory for them would be good. But then a winged victory or a winged victory, one of those is the victory itself on wings uh, sort of like a, a, a descending angel. I mean, I I don't I don't know, I don't know. So that's that's why I find the pronunciation uh, very puzzling. It is comprised of two Americans, uh, Dustin O'Halloran. He is a pianist and a composer. Uh, he co-founded a dream pop group, Davix, all the way back in the past, and he's he's scored several films, including uh, Marie Antoinette with uh, Kirsten Dunst. 
the film Like Crazy and uh, Lion. Do you remember when Lion came out? It had, it had a bunch of Oscar buzz, but I don't recall if it ever met anything. I didn't see it, but I remember it. Yeah. 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 Uh, also, Adam Wiltsey, a sound engineer and a fellow composer, he founded Stars of the Lid. And he engineered albums by Flaming Lips, Mercury Rev, Sparkle Horse, and Iron and Wine. He oh, helped he's in, the, uh, in that circle. He's in that circle, yeah. The, so the kind of the, the alternative. The David Friedman crew. Yeah. Actually, so he probably knows Dave Friedman pretty well then. Yeah. Sounds that way. He helped to score Lion, uh, but he also scored The Theory of Everything and Arrival. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or perhaps helped to score it. It gets a little, little dicey. Mm. In 2007, a friend introduced them while Wiltsey was touring with Sparkle Horse. So knowing the type of music that Sparkle Horse makes, this doesn't completely surprise me. They were probably, uh, you know, they have their, the guys off to the side who are doing, you know, some of the, the engineering and the, the sound mixing, like right there. He was probably doing that sort of thing. I wasn't able to find out what exactly he was doing because he wasn't, he's not one of the band members. So, yeah. Mm. Now, when the two got together, they found that the way their, their music meshed uh, could only be described as Harmonic Robitussin. Robitussin. Okay. Yeah, you know, the cough medicine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, so, so, so maybe soothing, one might say. I guess, like, thick and drippy. <laughs> thick and drippy? <laughs> yeah. And soothing. <laughs> I don't know. And uh, good for coughs. Um, technically, it doesn't it s- slow down your rate of recovery? Technically, it. Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on because um, decongestant does, but um, it depends on what kind of cough medicine. And I think some robotust. Whatever. Okay. Um, <laughs> Steve's wild hour. Uh, the two gentlemen spent two years recording across Europe, and September eighth, twenty eleven, released a self-titled album. Mm-hmm. The song "Requiem for the Static King" was a tribute to Mark uh, Linkus. Uh, from Sparkle Horse, who had committed suicide. Oh. Uh, the album, the self-titled album, was very highly rated. Uh, but, Doug, I'm not looking to what the other critics said. I'm looking to what you said. What do you think of their self-titled album? The one with the nipples. Hmm? The one with the nipples. Yes, that's right. It is the one with the nipples. You are you are correct. It is the one. Uh, actually, truthfully, it is a very it's a very striking uh, cover art because the the mm-hmm. use of color is very deliberate. Yes, absolutely. Um, it actually, to be honest, a uh, quick aside, it reminds me. Um, there's a graphic novel called Sandcastle that was recently made adapted into a film by M Night Shyamalan called Old. Oh, okay. um, and the cover art actually reminds me very much of the um, the art for Sandcastle. I doubt that's intentional, but it it's it, it, it very very much reminds me of that. Okay. Well, <clears throat> so a winged or winged victory for the sullen. It kind of lets you know right away what kind of music they're making mm. and what kind of mood you should be in when you're listening to it. Um, I suggest perhaps walk in on a snowy night. Hmm. It's very moody, very emotional, and downbeat. And it uh, definitely has foreign dramatic Oscar bait film score vibes, which I guess makes sense given you know they've gotten themselves probably some of that some of that happening. And there's nothing really wrong with that. Um, I do feel that with this release, it doesn't really like pull me in for repeat listenings. It's nice. Uh, I'm not really like hooked. Um, much of it does start to sound the same. 
but again, not too many tracks in. Uh, I would definitely say that it's a, um, but it's okay. Here's something. It's great insomnia music. Mm. If you need some help getting to sleep, this will probably do the trick. Uh, because I should know, because there was a night where I was having trouble sleeping, and I used it for just that reason, and boom, out like a light. It's great. Really hit the spot. Right on. So, uh, and like, that's not an insult for everybody. That's, that is a legit great usage for certain kinds of music well i mean if you think about it i mean we give massive props to music that will make us feel excited music that um will make us feel light and joyful uh and at the end of the day it's we're drilling down to music that that evokes uh, a physiological response and uh, i mean even music that makes you feel angry if it is meant to do that meant to to anger you and make you feel you know, make you feel something that's successful. And by the same token, if it's, if it is music that is, is designed to place you at rest or, or calming, I don't see why, what, if there's, I don't see why there'd be anything wrong with that. Exactly. Cool. What about you? Uh, I feel very similarly. The strings, I always find very moving. They, um, the Beatles once said that, or no, sorry, Radiohead once said that when they were doing Climbing Up the Walls, that doing strings can be very difficult because a lot of times it can then just sound like Eleanor Rigby, which is what I thought of the Beatles. So that's a tricky thing. So I, we've discussed in the past how there can be for a lot of pop songs, uh, rent an orchestra where the strings are there just to kind of like fill out the sound, but they're not like, there's nothing particularly, you know, um, they're not being used as a, as a, as like the main melodic instrument um, yeah. for, for, for a lot of pop songs. There's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you, you need, you need to fill out your sound a little bit, but you know, I think Radiohead's kind of right. It's just like, well, what are we actually using the strings for? We want to do something with them. And I find that they are very effective at using strings. They're very, uh, like the strings can be very, very moving, but um, the dark ambience, that's what I like paired off against the strings and i feel that they're successful with that to varying degrees over the course of their career uh this electronic ambient sound with this very organic string sound and when they do that well it is very effective and uh i don't think they did it the best in this album but they still did it pretty well at times it's beautiful at times it's thoughtful but ultimately, I found the album to be morose, and that that makes a lot of sense because clearly, clearly, the suicide of uh, of Mark Linkus was on was on their minds. There is some some sadness. It's it's not depressing, but it's it's omnipresent. However, I will agree with you. I didn't find myself coming back to it. Not 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 really. I, I wasn't like sitting down like. Mm. Really got to listen to that self-titled album by mm-hmm. Winged Victory, Winged Victory for the Song. You know, you don't yeah. regret that you heard it. No, but it's just like it's like I, you know, I'm not like itching for more. Yeah, it's just like I gotta track down this vinyl, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I I can't wait to to play this for the kids. You know, <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. April of 2014, the Atomos Six or sorry, Atomos Seven EP is released. Uh, and this is really just kind of a uh, a lead in, and a kind of a kind of strange, if I if I'm to be honest, kind of strange based on the type of musical project that this is that they would have like an a lead in EP of this nature, and it basically included Atomo Seven and uh, a couple other tracks that were like uh, leftover tracks from the self titled. Yeah, so it also contained Minuet for a Cheap Piano Number One, which was an outtake from the from the studio sessions, and then there was a, a, a reinterpretation of Atomo, so basically like a 
a, a remix for Fancy Folk by of Otomo Seven. Um, not not really much to say about that except that it's it's. I mean that ultimately was just kind of like a blending from where they were going and where they were at. But again, I did find it strange that they would have like an, e- an EP of that nature given the type of music that this is. Yeah. yeah. Did you get a chance to hear it? Uh, I forgot. Uh, that's fine. I'm fired. <laughs> However, later that year in October, October 6, 2014, uh, having been recorded in the summer of 2013, <laughs> uh, was a Tomos. Uh, it is music that was composed uh, for a choreographed dance piece that was done by Wayne McGregor. I would like to be able to track it down. I, I took a look in YouTube. Um, granted, it's been a, a few months. Not that I think anything's changed. But I'm kind of curious to actually see the choreographed dance. But this would not be the only time where they would basically come up with a sound. Soundtrack isn't quite right. But uh, music meant to be paired with a, a project of some kind. And in this mm-hmm. case, it was it was meant to be paired with a choreography. But I want to hear what you thought of Atomos first. I'd say it's a pretty noticeable improvement, actually. Better melodies, more interesting production throughout... Uh, very good morning music. When, when I was listening to it uh, for the first time, I was on my way to the SkyTrain, and it was like an early morning shift, and you just there was kind of the mountains in the distance, and something about that just kind of clicked. You know, it uh, it fits that low light and cloudy headed haze that <laughs> I feel in the morning. Album is at its best, I think, right near the end, actually. With um, I was supposed to say X, but it's ten. At almost ten. And 11. But I think there's uh, quite a few high points in there. So still overall very moody and dramatic. Very cinematic. uh, Probably even more so than before. Plays a little more with dynamics. uh, Following the drama of the loud and the quiet. It's clearly the same band. But uh, a promising evolution of sound. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So as I mentioned before, this was... uh... This this was the album that I really gravitated towards. Uh, I will agree. Actually, the second half is is uh, is better. I think it really picks up at about the halfway point. The animated clips um, that are on YouTube uh, linked below. The name of the work is called "My Love" in Russian by Alexander Petrov, and I've been meaning to actually kind of look up the the whole thing because you know short anime films be be groovy. Mm-hmm. So from the onset, uh, I agree. Much darker. Atomos 5 does way more to introduce some more of those electronic elements. I, I love the pairing of electronic ambience and string and piano and, and having those all come together. There's some creepy vocalizations in both 9 and 10. And it's hard to kind of like get into it without um, without like basically spoiling my track recommendations. But there's those those moments where you just hear this prolonged electronic, prolonged electronic uh, harmonization that you know it's a sustained note and then it kind of like breaks and then the mood will shift and then and that's that sort of idea is featured a few times on this album and each time I find it very effective they didn't it didn't overstate its welcome they didn't do it too much but yeah when done it's done very effectively there is for Atomos 11 I believe yeah Atomos 11 where the piano starts in sort of a, almost like bolero with uh, with its looping and then it it builds and it becomes more and more frantic and you can almost hear whoever's doing piano i think it's uh i think it's uh dustin o'halloran uh playing more and more aggressively you know you can almost hear like when they when they're hitting like the keys a little you know more aggressively and like i eat that stuff up i think that stuff's great (laughs) i had to embellish of course course. (laughs) the feedback that they got from wayne mcgregor 
who choreographed the dance piece, was very positive. And I have a quote from him where he said that when he played it for the dancers the first time, they reacted strangely to the music. Hmm. <laughs> I yeah. don't know exactly what that means. Well, that's the thing, because like they they have these choreographed dance moves, so it's not like they're improvising improvising their dances. But I think you could argue that there was um, perhaps they were approaching the choreography differently than before. Um, but maybe, I, you know. I don't understand the full 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 process behind it. Yeah. I mean, like also I'm not like an expert in the dance world. So, yeah, you know, that's just it. I, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> but from theater productions that I've done, usually you know you you, you have you know. It, Especially something so physical, you would have uh, the music kind of picked out already, or at least something to to uh, to have the uh, the rhythm, so that you have the mm-hmm. right timing down. But then know? again, that just could be one of those things that makes this particular project different. So yeah, November sixteenth, twenty sixteen, there was a film called Iris that they did the soundtrack. <laughs> It was a French erotic thriller, oh, a uh-huh. a remake of the Japanese film Chaos into that was made uh, released in two thousand. There was something about a fake kidnapping and murder. Yes, did you listen to the soundtrack to Iris? Uh, I did, and it was a while ago, and I forgot to take notes for it. So <laughs> uh, it was. I uh, I guess if I had to, if I had to recall, uh, it was good. it was fine (laughs) uh it reminded me actually of uh early moby remember when especially from the um everything is wrong something about that rings a bell actually yeah Yeah. uh, everything is wrong sort of era when when he was definitely experimenting with uh although i don't he didn't use real strings but you know that that sort of blending Mm -hmm. um actually coincidentally um the song that's we used to open the podcast this round is move which which does actually just that kind of blends in Nice. That sort of sounds. I felt it really succeeded at the electronic vibes they were going, particularly with uh, Retour au Champ de Mar and Le Retour en Forêt. The bonus tracks I thought were really good and, in fact, were the highlights of the, oh, yeah, uh, of the yeah. album. I do remember that, too. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. He knows. Uh, it's, it's coming back. I'm like, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. It wasn't the whole thing wasn't all just wing victory for the solo. No. <laughs> and uh, actually... Um, Adam Wiltsey did some of the tracks solo, so he did some of the tracks what? by himself. Oh yeah, I know it is, it's crazy scandal. But I I like that. I like the fact that um, you know already there people are tapping them for uh, for soundtrack work. I mean, you know, it fits the bill. You know, like they they their their albums kind of sound like soundtracks. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's just it, right? You know, if, <laughs> like you just imagine it going into a, a movie. Maybe an erotic thriller, maybe not. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then and then you know if, if the shoe fits. <laughs> As an aside, um, I know some some articles mention a the twenty seventeen film God's Own Country. However, to say that they did the soundtrack for that film would be very inaccurate. Three songs from their self titled album wound up on the soundtrack. Ah, that. that's a, does, so, that is a difference. Yeah, well, that's just it. I because yeah. I went I went looking. I went looking. I was like, okay, well, I want to hear this soundtrack as well because if they're being continually tapped for soundtracks, then, but uh, but no, um, I guess maybe they didn't want to be, you know the soundtrack guys. <laughs> you know, oh, they, yeah, we just okay, you yeah, just send us to do another soundtrack. soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, but that's you know to use some of their songs in a soundtrack. That's yeah, different. That's thing. a little different. Plus, uh, it is interesting at that point though that it's going all the way back to their 
you know, the beginnings of their career. Yeah. So I guess the know. filmmaker just listened to that album and was like, I want to use this one. I want to use that and one. And this one. And they're like, we'll take your money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. All right. November 1st, 2019, The Undivided Five is released. They mm-hmm. had recorded it in eight studios across Europe. It refers to the perfect fifth chord or the five mediums. Another close friend of theirs had died. And also, but on the other end of the spectrum, O'Halloran was going to be a father. And so those two moods informed the recording of this album. Uh, What did you think of The Undivided Five? I was actually reminded of a couple soundtracks along the way. The Haunted Victorian Pencil sounded uh, right out of Donnie Darko. Oh. Um, And there were moments in Sullen Sonata that reminded me of Brian Eno's track, the one that is in 28 Days Later. I can't remember what it was called. Um, Yeah, but yeah. Oh, an end? A beginning? Oh, no. Anyway, it's a track from the 28 Days Later soundtrack. Very ambient. Mm. Reminded me a lot of that one. Uh, it's all very nice and good. It doesn't really feel like it's breaking any new ground for them, personally. I, I, I feel like it's kind of a step back from Atmos, or Atomos. Well, there are some better tracks around the middle, and when it begins to, uh... But, but it just begins a bit slow, and it also ends kind of slow. So, the meat is in the middle, and uh, from what I, what I liked. It's very sad music. It's interesting that you said that it's also kind of a celebrating the, the you know, the birth of someone, or, or the, the, up, the expected expecting a child mm. because i mostly hear the sad music uh, that's coming through um i gotta give them props for really exploring that emotion successfully uh and <laughs> 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 oh, as i said there's occasional moments as well with more instrumentation so it sounds like um i'm pretty sure i heard a horn probably a trumpet that really helped fill out the sound and there's a it sounds like at some point there's a subtle horn section in a few songs so there were moments where there the there was a lot of body that really made the, that really elevated the material but overall, I was a little less impressed with the Undivided Five. Mm-hmm. But I didn't hate it. It was fine. But as far as like, you know, kind of in the sliding scale where it's at in their in their catalog, it's a little lower. Let's step over to uh, O'Halloran uh, becoming a father for the first time. Could you then argue, instead of it being a celebratory thing, could it be maybe a, uh, a hesitation, maybe a period of reflection or self doubt? Do you think? Do you think that might be more accurate then? Maybe. I mean, unless there's something that you hear that I don't, as far as like, you know, this sort of, if there's any joyfulness that maybe I, I overlooked. I think joy would be actually probably too strong. Uh, <laughs> so I would say that, um, you know, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe there's a, 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 I mean, I imagine that's when I haven't had any kids, but I, I mean, you have. I imagine there's a part of you that's very, you know, nervous and like, oh my God, can I do this kind of, uh, you know, yeah, self-doubt I'm sure is, is very uh, reflective of it. Yeah. Uh, I'll also step back to uh, to this fifth thing. So the uh, I did say the five mediums. Basically, uh, what those were, they were a group of artists in Sweden who believed that um, if you really wanted to make good, good art, you first had to organize a seance and contact the spirit world. Makes sense to me. Yep. <laughs> sure. So yeah. why, why not? There's a couple really, really good tracks in here that I was I was fond of, and ultimately, this I have that the synth and brass inclusion was very welcome. But at the end of the day, I also did not come back to this, this album uh, as much. There were still a couple tracks that I, that I would revisit, but I was actually expecting to like this more than I did. And now even looking back, I was just like, you know, I, you know, I was kind of, I was kind of getting into it a bit, but only a bit. Okay. But yeah, 
Yeah. So I, I would I would agree with your assessment. Well, there we go. Well, there we are. <clears throat> Sounds like definitive evidence to me. <laughs> um, evidence of what? I don't know for sure, but sounds definitive. February 26, 2021. Only a couple years ago. A couple years ago. The album Invisible Cities. It, they, uh, once again, they've gone based on inspiration of a work of art. This time it was the Italian novel La Cita Invisibili by Italo uh, Calvino, or The Invisible Cities. And uh, it, basically the book revolves around Marco Polo discussing uh, two Kublai Khan, 55 cities that he's visited, and, and just kind of going through all of... All of that. Mm. And they basically, this is the score for a multimedia production. It premiered at the Manchester International Festival of 2019, but the tour as a whole was killed by COVID. Ooh, gotta hit that. Yeah. The cover art, I have been continually, like, I, I, I like their cover arts. I really do. Oh, but yeah, for sure. I'm not sure what this one is for Invisible Cities. I was actually looking at it a little bit in depth as well. And, uh, oh. and I'll tell you one thing. There's no nipples. No, no nipples. I don't think it's you know. I, part of it almost looks like a blurred, blurred X-ray. Yeah. But like then there's this sort of rust-colored arc in it as well. It is interesting stuff. I do like I do like the cover art quite a bit. Yeah. What do you think? It might be their strongest work yet. Actually, I feel like the instrumentals are more lush and varied. I was worried because the first track was more or less the same stuff that we've already heard. <laughs> um, but by track two, the Celestial City. We're already getting uh, more interesting material, less sadness, and uh, yeah, yeah, definitely like a lot less sadness in this one. Um, I found it to be kind of exploring. It, if I had to like attribute words to it, uh, intrigue and mystery. Um, it managed to stay pretty engaging throughout. There's some pretty cool synth noises and production effects. At the end of the day, it's still very slow, moody, soundtracky kind of music, but they just made a much more solid effort here, in my opinion. Um, and it's an album that, ex- that uh, explores and moves on. It doesn't seem to meander too long, as is sometimes the case. I would, I would mostly agree. Well, I, um, I do think that they peaked with Atomos. I think that this is actually a very promising, uh, a very promising continuation, ultimately, of where their career was going. I feel like they used their time very, very well. There was. Um, They've they've muddled muddied around with some tracks that uh, the end and uh, really tried to make their runtime last. But in this one, that wasn't really a consideration. There's a lot more a lot more ideas that are that are kind of punchier and that they've like there's some tracks that are not even two and a half minutes long, which was it's something that you didn't really see too much of. Um, and I think that's actually to this album's benefit because there's there's clearly a lot more that they were wanting to explore and touch on, and in this case, they were able to. And uh, yeah, so I would def I would definitely recommend this. I think that this this is one that I would pick up. The be- really only the two albums, maybe Iris, um, that I would pick up. But I will also tell you that then in December, uh, only a couple months later, they released a single on their Bandcamp page. Only the names of the airport changes, oh. and this song's really good. I haven't this heard is, it. Yeah, this is really good. So, so I'd, that's I'd, my bad. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, it's a single track. It's they say that it's a bonus track from Invisible Cities, but it's it's not on any release of Invisible Cities. I I, I think it's just you could call it an outtake, I guess, or yeah, misusing the word bonus track, perhaps. Yeah, I guess, know. yeah, or or you know, maybe there is some region where it was in there and just it's not well documented. Yeah, who the hell even knows? So 
my my thoughts, I mean, I guess on the whole for a winged victory, the, the Solon is, or winged victory, whatever. Um, I like the fact that we've got these two guys who are really tapping into this this genre. And I feel like it's um, it tends to be kind of overlooked when it shouldn't be because it's a very, very difficult music to make. And there's only two of them. And um, it tends to be a market that is uh, dominated by like Philharmonic Orchestra or, you know, right. uh, yeah. you, you know, that, that sort of thing. But to have like two, I'll say youngish guys, you know, who, who are very successfully making these very compelling uh, orchestral and electronic blending them together to make these these fantastic compositions. It's too bad in a lot of ways that they don't quite have like they're they're well known in the in the community obviously, but the that they don't have more notoriety I think uh, amongst uh, I say the the general music going public. Yeah, I think unfortunately I think a lot of that may come a little bit from the their name. Yeah, well, that, yeah, it, that is true. What is with know, that? You know, like a winged victory for the sullen doesn't really roll off the tongue. You know, I, I get kind of, before you even say it to somebody, you kind of have to recite it in your head. You're like, <laughs> oh, they're called a wing, a winged victory for the sullen. So you know, it's not like it's, but at the same time, like you know, it it, it does also kind of present you with what kind of music you're going to hear. So yeah. it's, just, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's going to be mildly pretentious just so you know. Uh, but yeah. And I also don't recommend listening to them necessarily the way that we did here, where it's just like, you know, just cramming their whole catalog in your brain. Not that there's like tons of music, um, but there's enough that, you know, it, it, I don't think it's going to reward you to binge their stuff. No. And it's not the kind of music that should, because we're not talking about pop hooks and, and we're not talking about, um, uh, typically structured songs. Um, I think I think you're right. I think this is the stuff that you just kind of have to like have on maybe when you're doing you're doing your dishes or something <laughs> like that, uh, or if you're wanting to sit down and read. Or, or I'm telling you, when you when you're walking and it's early in the morning, it mm. is really it does accompany the mood very well. Um, or insomnia music, stuff like that. Like mm. it, it, you know, it does have a lot of value here. Um, I don't know if it's the stuff that you'd have on repeat. Probably not. Maybe occasionally on shuffle though. Yeah. Um, it is for more patient listeners and, you know, take your time with the releases. I feel like you get more out of them than if you just tried to, you know, again, do what we did and just get through it. Uh, I, you know, take, uh, you know, start with one of the, one of the more strongly recommended ones and see where, if you want to go any further from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and get to, get to know it, get to know the sun. Um, there are, there are plenty of tracks that, um, start quiet and start slow, but build. Because that's because it's not an uncommon convention with orchestral work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you bring in, say, the rest of the orchestra a little later. You know, you, you crescendo, you, uh, you 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 build an emotion. Uh, a lot of these a lot of these tracks are about starting with a small emotion and then building them to something bigger. And that's that's what they set out to do. And that's why I think they did pretty effectively. Uh, so get get to know get to know a, a few tracks, get to know an album, but don't, you know, Plug in the CD. Okay, CD's done. I'll plug in the next one or, you know. Yeah. 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 And that's one of the interesting things about doing this podcast is sometimes I find, um, you know, you really reap the, we really reap the benefits of, of getting to hear a band's entire catalog. And sometimes it, the, you, we come to the realization that this was not the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I know that other times it works and sometimes it doesn't. And it's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. 
it's a it is a, an interesting uh, journey every time when you get when you tackle a whole discography. Yeah, yeah. So we do track recommendations. I don't see any reason why not. What you got? I guess I'll start with Atomos. Uh, I was gonna say it again. I was gonna say X. Atomos Ten, mm. just because it's got some very nice string work. I uh, definitely recommend headphones for this one because there's a lot of interesting production things, uh, a lot of a lot of tinkering and stuff done in the background. Uh, some cool warble warble effects with vocals and stuff like that. Uh, it's a very moving and a very cool piece. So check that out. One that I did like from uh, the uh, Undivided Five, Aqualung Motherfucker. Um, dun, dun, dun. I gotta, you gotta say, because I kind of like the, the guy from the room. Motherfucker. <laughs> Aqua lung. Anyways, I highlighted this one because at the end there's a really nice trumpet sound that really gives the track some, something unique and something to sink your teeth into, and I love that sound. So, um, it's just really refreshing to hear after, after, you know, a lot of just like string piano stuff. Um, otherwise it's, yeah, just pretty nice, very moody, very dark. Uh, and last, uh, I'm gonna go with the Celestial City because I do feel like that's kind of where the uh, where I kind of uh, got the the ray of hope for Invisible Cities, and uh, which wound up uh, paying off. And uh, yeah, it just kind of had some interesting uh, electronic vibes mixed in with the. There's just some, there's something you know you could always hear that there's something more more promised in this track than just uh, I guess what we had heard before. So uh, check out the Celestial City. Did, did, I didn't take anything, did I? No, shockingly, no. Um, yeah, interesting. <laughs> Sometimes you just choose me those. These looks like that was my song. <laughs> How could you? In in <laughs> dire cases, we just share the recommendation. That's also true. Yeah, yeah, you know, I might be embellishing a bit. <laughs> Atomos six. Uh, how can I place a recommendation without getting into the song that hooked me into them in the first place? Uh, it is tricky to uh, kind of like put it on in the background because uh, it goes through movements. Near the end, there's uh, there's a quivering string that I associate very strongly with cold in the nights, like a, a sort of a chilly night, you know, like uh, almost like a winter in Narnia. That what mixed together with the electronic ambience um, has a very evocative reaction from me. So uh, take a look. And from the Undivided Five, I will say the rhythm of a dividing pair. On the whole, like I said, there's a lot of uh, a lot of peaks and a lot of valleys for Undivided Five. Again, didn't quite get it as much as I was hoping I would. But one of the exceptions is the rhythm of a dividing pair. It's a fairly mas- masterfully crafted crafted song in that uh, even from the even from the very beginning from the get-go it it immediately pulls you in there's uh, kind of going back on what i said earlier about how like you know sometimes they'll start small and they'll get big this one starts very compelling and then continues on with the compelling nature of it which i think is what gravitated it towards me and that they were kind of doing something just just a, a little different in terms of like how they would continue to kind of pull you into the track and then I will go for their most, or I would say most recent, but I guess it's, well, actually, no, it's really only a year, a year and a couple months. Only the names of the airport changes. Uh, I had to make sure that I had that marked off in my uh, in my book um, because I actually really wound up enjoying it. I don't think it would have fit in Invisible Cities, to be honest. I don't think it would have fit as a bonus track tacked on at the end. I think it kind of needs its own, uh, it has its own energy and it needs its own uh, room to breathe. And actually, to be honest, um, I like the idea of it being kind of its its own 
thing. Um, and it's it's not even a particularly long song. It gets everything accomplished that it wants to do. It's a gorgeous piece of music. And why is everything in caps? Wow, guys. But, Calm down. Stop yelling. Yeah, right. On your Bandcamp page. But yeah, they included an eight-piece choir and brass and strings and the whole shebang. And uh, they are currently situated in Brussels in Belgium. Apparently, according to their Bandcamp information, they, apparently they recorded in uh, Budapest in Hungary. So I think they're taking notes from European traditional music if I were to place a guess. Quick aside, I was going to mention at the top of the show, but I didn't. Um, as you know, Doug, but the listener does not know that my son and I are in the midst of watching the John Carpenter films. Yes. Uh, yes, yes. We just finished watching The Fog. The Fog. Um, oh, you're, you're, gotten, you're getting pretty deep in it now. You watched Halloween? Uh, yeah, yeah. Halloween's the third movie. Um, Fog's the fourth. Let me let me tell you right now, having John Carpenter compose the music as well really lends something. It, um, it really, really does. And I, I can't say, oh, I wish that more directors would compose you know, the, the score to their, their films, because I mean, like, Jesus, they've got enough work. It's not for everybody. Yeah. That's not everyone's strong suit. So, but, uh, but I, I will say, um, I have noted on a few occasions that, uh, his music can at times be minimalist, but is often very effective. Anyways, next time a coworker of yours had a, uh, had a suggestion. Yes. Uh, I was telling her like, uh, like, as, as much fun as this podcast is to do when we get to letters like X, it'd be very <laughs> difficult uh, to find the next best, the, the next uh, thing to, to uh, review. And she instantly came up. It was no time at all. Said X-Ray Specs. Yeah. Uh, punk band from the 70s. And the 90s. And the 90s. So, yes. <laughs> um, be sure to check that out real soon. Yeah. And, and you know what? If you have the opportunity, let us know what you think of X-Ray Specs. Or a winged victory for the sullen, or the Verve, or any of the other bands or artists we have covered. And I was telling Doug that my daughter, my nine-year-old daughter, in her continued efforts to not go to sleep on time, mm-hmm. she will watch videos or listen to podcasts, including this one, which I found deeply flattering. Hi, Scarlett. How you doing? Hey. <laughs> we have broken the third wall, fourth wall, fourth wall. What? Let's break the fifth wall too. Break all, let's break every let's break wall. All the walls. Down. Let's break them all down. So suddenly, suddenly I'm like, I'm like, what's the term again? <laughs> uh. Do you want to drop us a line? The best way to do so is to go to our website, musicazpodcast.com. You can check out the show notes. You can check out the videos. You can check out the various things that we've mentioned. Uh, they're all the way down there. Yeah, all the way down at the bottom of that uh, of that silly little page. You can also check us out on Facebook, Music A to Z Podcast. Uh, I don't post there as much as I as I really should, but um, but I still I still keep tabs on it. And uh, we have a Twitter account at Music A Z Podcast at Music A Z Podcast, and I would love for you to tweet me and follow us and join the conversation. What about you, Mister Doug? Go to YouTube right now. Mm. Type in Moving Underscore Pictures, pictures with a K. Mm. Press subscribe. I'm on my march to 2,000 subscribers. I'm almost there, guys. Come on. Help me out here. But only if you'll actually watch my stuff. That's the thing. I don't want yeah. I don't want some empty, you know, pity subscription. But if you like Transformers, if you like Beast Machines or Beast Wars, or if, or just, you know, me goofing around with Lego. Or how about which people to this podcast might be more interested in you're releasing soon? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's right, actually. That's fair. That is kind of relevant to this podcast. Yeah. Every year, um, I release a video where 
my wife, you know, bless her, does not know pop music very well, but also does, but not the pop music that I listen to. I We do sort of a, a show where, like a game show almost, where I play a song, she tries to identify the song, and sometimes she knows the song, sometimes she doesn't. Uh, that is the next episode of Valley Hasn't that is coming out, so... Yeah, check that one out. Yeah, and uh, this would be what your third or fourth? I don't want to say because you will, your jaw will hit the floor. But this will be our fifth one. Our what? Fifth, our fifth time doing that. What? We've done nineties twice, two thousands twice. Now we're doing mid two thousands, the college years. Good grief! <laughs> I, I I just I just shook his world. Um, I can't I can't believe it's been that long. Yeah, no, I know. I know. Wow, uh, I actually enjoy going back and, and rewatching them. I, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of value to it. I think it's uh, it's it's very a very honest and uh, a very fun very fun series. Anything else, Captain? No, I think we're I think we're good. All right. Well, I'm gonna close this out by saying, music A to Z podcast is hosted by Steve and Doug Ferguson and is produced by me, Steve Ferguson. You should check us out online at stevengcferguson.ca and moving underscore pictures. On YouTube. Yeah. I think I just got a freaking fruit fly in my mouth. I've been seeing it buzz around. Yeah, I think it just went in there. Damn, I don't... I can't get it out. Protein. Yeah.